Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thanks for joining me for the Smarter Business Moves podcast. If content marketing is part of your growth strategy, head over to my new podcast, Content Marketing School, and visit contentmarketingschoolonline.com for resources. Now let's get on with the show. Hi, I'm Annette Richmond. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Career Moves podcast. Don't forget to join us in the Smarter Career Moves Club on Clubhouse as well. Well, hello, good afternoon. It's Friday afternoon, only one more, a few more days until we hit the holiday weekend. Um, we are so glad to have uh, have you out there um, on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube. I'm so excited to have Frank as my guest this afternoon. Um, you know, we, we met on Clubhouse, I think, and we have collaborated um, a few times um, over the last, or I should say several times over the last many months. Um, so just to introduce myself, if you don't know me, uh, I'm Annette Richmond. My company is Career Intelligence, Resume Writing, and Career Services. And I do my LinkedIn Lives and other media under the Smarter Career Moves kind of brand. So Frank, tell us a little bit about uh, your company, who you are, and uh, what you do. Absolutely. And Annette, um, it's so great to be here with you again. And uh, yeah, so I'm Frank Burgoyne. I'm the founder of YourInterviewSuccess.com. And uh, basically, I help my clients uh, ace their interviews through the use of mock interviews. And yet my experience just really comes from having been a recruiter for 14 years. So I'm all about interviews. I know. Well, you do a lot of, you know, um, work with uh, executives and people in, in all different areas, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I would say, you know, typically I work with people who probably have about 10 years of experience and, and more. Okay. Well, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, drives me crazy, uh, you know, I often mention that I recruited for a couple of years. I certainly don't have the experience that you have. Um, but, you know, you know I, I think one of the biggest mistakes that candidates make is they decide that they're going to just go into a job interview and, you know, wing it. They don't do any prep. They don't prepare any answers to questions. They just, be, oh, you know what, I know my stuff and I'm going to go in there and I am going to just do this great job. Now, um, I think you'll agree with me based on our conversations that, you know, having preparation, being prepared, um, is is really really important you know i used to ask the the clients uh potential uh candidates that i spoke with you know if they knew anything about the company and you know what i was not hoping to hear was no which i heard often no i don't i don't know anything but you know occasionally i'd get someone said oh yeah you know i was working for a magazine i i know the magazine i read it all the time i'm so excited you know to be part of that etc and you know that would uh go into um, my my little report that I sent to the client because we were working, you know, contingency. So um, I think that candidate uh, companies actually overall 
prefer or they really like it much better i should say more than prefer if candidates actually know something about the company so how what's um some good strategies for candidates to research a company before they uh, go in you know maybe as soon as they apply for a job there yeah annette i'm so glad you're bringing up this issue and it really it doesn't matter whether you're a recent college grad or you're more at the executive level you know, you're so right. A lot of times people just, you know, they do so many other things to prepare for the interview, but they spend five minutes looking at the homepage of the company. And when it comes to that question that you're going to get, why do you want to work for us? You could potentially bomb the interview. So um, some things you can do. And what I encourage people start with, of course, start with the website. And, you know, really understand the products, the services, um, the mission. People want to, companies really want to know that you understand their mission and that you're drawn to the mission. And, you know, culture is so important today when, you know, when companies are selecting candidates and, you know, understand a bit about the culture as well. But you've got to go way beyond just the website. Um, another another thing you can easily do is Google search the company, read articles about what, what's being said about that company in the news, because their their plans to expand globally it might not be on their website, but if you're able to articulate that in the interview, they're going to think, wow, this person really knows a lot about us. I really like that, you know, yeah. and that's. You have to get inside the head of the person interviewing you, and aren't you know you're they're looking for someone who's really enthusiastic and excited about working there and knows something about what they're doing and and what makes what makes them different. So you know you you, you know do your Google research and sure you can go on Glassdoor and see what's being said about the company. But one thing to know about Glassdoor is it tends to skew negative. Often people who, you know, who maybe are disgruntled employees or, you know, just didn't have a great experience, they're often the ones they're commenting. So take that with a grain of salt. But I think that's a good starting place for your research. No, I, I agree with you. Um, it's, it's far more often. I know that for myself, if I'm having a, a, an issue with a company, I'm much more likely to call up and complain than, you know, call up and praise them. I mean, I may praise them if I'm there, but if I'm going to be active about it, it is negative, you know, and um, so so that is certainly something. And I have recommended to can uh, clients that I work with that they can even set up a Google alert for the company, right? So whenever they're doing something, and if you do read something, as you mentioned, like an international expansion um, or a new product, if you can work that into the interview, right, even even better. Absolutely, because if you know they're expanding globally for the first time and you've got global experience, maybe in sales, that is going to be a feather in your cap. That's that's you're making that hiring manager so happy. And it might be things like that that begin to separate you from your competition. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. You know, and and it's also the in uh, researching the interviewers. Um, now there are so many ways, of course, LinkedIn, but you know the company websites today. Um, you know, a lot of them because it's a website. There's so many people on that. You know, that are 
employees there that are all up and have maybe bios and photos and everything. So, so what's your suggestion, you know, other ideas on how to, how to research um, people that you're going to be inter interviewing with and also, you know, what to look for. Yeah. Um, that's also a really good point. One of the things I want to start off by saying is that, and I, this happens a lot with my clients, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging them to research the people who are interviewing them on LinkedIn. And often they push back and say, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want them to see that I'm looking at their profile. I don't want them to think I'm stalking them. And, and so I, I really try to um, help them see that that is not going to be a problem. And in fact, if, if, if someone has the time to be checking to see who's looking <laughs> at their profile, it actually could be a feather in your cap. They could say, oh, that person's checking me out before the interview. That's a good thing. It's not stalking. Now, I don't recommend, you know, going every day and looking at their profile. <laughs> that might be a little bit of stalking. But just like your research of the company, you want to go beyond that LinkedIn profile. And uh, excuse me, I want to say a little bit more about the LinkedIn profile. Sure. Sometimes people just look at the work history. Look mm -hmm. at what they're posting. What are they commenting on? What groups do they belong to? Really get a sense of perhaps things that they're passionate about. Because again, you may have an opportunity in the interview to talk about something that you kind of notice that they're, they really know a lot about or they had a, have an idea about, they're a thought leader around some issue. You know, if it's, if maybe they're in product management and, you know, they're really into agile processes and they talk yeah. about that a lot. Well, then, you know, bring up agile in the interview. So look beyond just the work history, but that's a good starting place. But you can Google that person too. And certainly find out what's being said about them in the news if possible. Yeah, you know, you might find that maybe they won won an award or something that might pop yeah. up. And you know, I I recommend to people also that you even go down and and look in like the volunteer um volunteer area. I mean, you know, where they went to college and you know, if you if you went to the same college, that might be something that, you know, just gives you some commonality. Um, and, and people who volunteer in certain areas, you know, my husband and I are, um, you know, big dog rescue advocates and we have volunteered with a dog rescue group for many years. And I have that on my LinkedIn profile and people do mention it to me, you know, dogs are kind of, kind of a thing of mine, as you can see, actually see behind me here. I love dogs. So, um, you know, but, but it is important to, to look at those things. You know, I think of a lot of the, um, we all we all know the old you know no like and trust people like to hire work with whatever you know with people that they know like and trust and if you can build up that rapport and have those commonalities and just get the conversation going um you know i think you can sort of move into that no like and trust you know fairly you know more quickly you know more quickly no, no i i absolutely agree i think again you have to kind of overcome that uh, idea that, you know, somehow they're going to feel like you're spying on them. That really isn't the case. And I think they're going to be more impressed that you did do research on them. I would, I would like someone, I would like to feel like someone had researched me and knows a bit about me. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm president of the board of a nonprofit here in San Francisco. And, you know, it's, it would really 
kind of um, flatter me a little bit if someone had really looked through my profile and knew things like that. Oh, I, I agree with you. You know, I actually, before I have an appointment with a potential client, someone who's considering working with me, I always go and look at their LinkedIn profile, you know, partly because, you know, I want to see if it needs some work, but, you know, I want to learn, learn a little bit more about them and, and who they are. And I, I think that's so much, you know, LinkedIn is so much different than the resume. You know, the resume is more static and it's, it's professional. Um, you know, more formal than the LinkedIn profile where you really have the opportunity, you know, to to show who you are. And if you can find those stories about the interviewers, I think that's, you know, I think that's a great thing. You know, I, I agree with with everything you said. And one of the things because, we, you know, the title of our sort of LinkedIn live today is, you know, presenting yourself as the best candidate. And part of that, I think I would say a big part of that is um, showing that you are able to do the job, that you are someone that is coming in there and hit the ground running, you have that experience. And, and you know, as an interview coach, as a recruiter, former recruiter, you know that a lot of interviews are built around these behavioral interview questions. And they, they start something like, you know, tell me about a time when, you know, whatever. Um, it, and it's something that's related to you know, the job that you're going to be doing, you know, they're looking for a story with sort of the beginning, middle and end, you know, yeah. that is going to um, convey, demonstrate that you are able to do, you know, whatever it is that they're looking for. Now, I know a lot of uh, professionals, you know, career professionals, including me, um, I think maybe you uh, sort of advocate for using acronyms, you know, or formulas like STAR and SHARE and so so what's your take on that and um what what do you advise your clients how do you advise them to prep for these behavioral interviews which can be kind of tricky yeah absolutely and actually before i even meet with a client there is an exercise around their star stories i oh, want okay. them kind of ferreting those out and you know for example you can just a very you can create a very simple a uh, very simple Excel spreadsheet and have the title perhaps of your stories on the left and the situation action result on the top. And as far as the kinds of stories that you should be flushing out, you want to think about the times in your, in your work past where you really made a difference. So for example, your idea led to saving the company money or your idea increased sales, or on the operational side, your idea saved time, or again, saved money, or just, and then, and then there's kind of the creative ideas. You came up with a creative idea that, you know, led to some kind of a, a positive change in your company, but this, you're mining for gold. That's what you're really doing. And these are kind of your gem stories. And, you know, anyone who really spends the time flushing these out is going to have such an advantage over someone who hasn't done it. It's like the difference between if you were walking into a final exam in college and you didn't study versus studying, you know, <laughs> days before, right? Yes. So, so you, you actually have some control over your interview and the outcome when you do this level of preparation. 
Oh, I, I, you know, that is so true. And thank you for, you know, sharing that, that what the acronyms are, you know, the STAR is situation, task, action, result, and then SHARE is um, situation, hindrance, I guess, whatever made it particularly challenging, the action, the result. And what I, I find interesting too about the, the end, the E is the evaluate where, you know, you can evaluate uh, what it would have happened if you didn't do this and, and, you know, anything that may have not gone right or something. I, I learned about that recently from another um, interview, interview coach. So, you know, but I also like what you talked about with operations because so many people, they hear um, that, you know, they hear, oh, I need achievements. You know, because we all say that you got to have achievements on your resume and your LinkedIn, you know, your interview um, results, um, value statements. And it all means the same thing. As you said, the impact that you've had on the employer and people often think of that as being, well, you know, uh, I didn't generate money. I'm not in sales. I didn't, you know, increase the market share because I'm, I'm not in sales or market business development. But the whole idea with operations, there are so many things there that people do that's so valuable that they just don't recognize. You mentioned saving time and, and um, you know, I think of that as someone who maybe works in accounting and the person, they redesigned the process to do the um, expense reports. So instead of taking, I did those once many years ago in one of my jobs. And if it, you know, instead of it taking that person five days a month, maybe it's two days a month. So you know, it's, it's, it's the things like that, right? I mean, what other right. things besides, you know, do you, do you, would you suggest that people look for when it, you know, if they are in one of those operational type positions? Yeah. Um, and I'm glad you brought up the accountant role because um, that isn't my normal wheelhouse of who mm -hmm. I help. I, I have helped accountants through the years and they probably have the worst try, time trying to really um, develop those success stories. And sometimes it, you, you have to kind of pivot a little bit and maybe there was a really, really tight deadline that you had to work under or you had two stakeholders wanting ridiculous things done, you know, and you had two things to be managing and both had tight deadlines. Absolutely. That's a great story, you know. And it's so it's so easy to kind of say, oh, I don't I don't have any success stories. But really look at your resume, and it takes time. And you want to really look at each job on that resume and let yourself kind of just think back. You know, all the kinds of things you were doing, and you will eventually land on, you know, successes. And the other problem I think some people have is they know their successes but they don't feel they're enough. And yes. there's kind of an imposter syndrome around them. But, you know, what I tell my clients is work with what you've got. Really think about what are all the details that you did? Because that's the part, you know, you've got the situation and the task, but the actions, take me through specifically how you accomplish that goal. And that's where you may be rusty. You may be kind of forgetting that. So you really want to make sure that you're, you know, giving yourself enough time. That's why I don't prep the night before an interview. And important, <laughs> <No. laughs> you know, at least a week before or more. So it, you know, it takes time, but you're going to find yourself walking in 
with that energy and confidence that maybe was missing when you were kind of not doing so well in your interviews? That's going to make a difference. Oh, oh, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's um, a lot of it has to do with the confidence and, you know, the clients that I work with, you know, I work with them primarily on their resumes, a little bit of interview coaching here and there. And one of the things that I sort of force them to do is to go back and look at their career and look at these, you know, the achievements that they have. And often, you know, many of them come back to me and they say, oh, you know, it was kind of a rough assignment. But now that I see what I've done, it makes me feel so much more confident in my abilities. And, it, you know, it is so true. Um, often people just don't recognize you know, the things that they do. And you mentioned, you know, working for two people, you know, I, I put myself through college working in, in different various accounting type roles. And, you know, I remember having to work for like two partners and having to juggle the duties and, and appease everybody. And you know, if you can do that, um, you know, it, it's very, very powerful. I worked with a client uh, who always stands out in my mind who works kind of in um, entertainment and programming. And one of the things that the client shared with me was the fact that they had to go in and sort of, um, you know, control this unruly celebrity who they had as a guest. And if you can do that, you know, anything that you do, it's all about the difference that it, it was that you were there instead of somebody else, right? I mean, that's, that's what you really want to show. Absolutely. And the other thing is this star approach. And again, that situation, task, action, result. You can use that when you get it. Like, let's say you get a question about, do you, have you used a particular software? Now, typically, and I've seen candidates do it as a recruiter, they might say, no, I really don't have that software. Well, that's, that's, that's not the way to answer that question. What you want to say is, you know, I haven't had the opportunity to use that software, but I learned software really quickly. Let me tell you about a time when I learned a, a software quickly, and, and it's Python. And then go through a story of the steps you took and, you know, how you accomplished that. And then, you know, it, it's probably not a deal breaker that you have that software, but the fact that you, you know, that you told them this story about how quickly you can learn something, you're probably going to get a pass. So, yes. so you know, that ability to tell stories, it kind of comes in handy throughout the interview for a lot of different kinds of questions. Oh, abs absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about, it's all about the stories. And, you know, I, um, this is, you know, not a, the behavioral interview and, um, you know, I love the examples that you've given, but I just actually heard someone and I'm so bad, you know, I always mention that it's not my idea, but I often don't remember. I saw someone actually on TikTok talking about uh, job interviews and they were saying um, a story of uh, providing your greatest weakness because, you know, we, there are a lot of interviewers that they ask the same questions, greatest weakness, strength, where you're going to be in five years, et cetera. And, you know, what they said was, which I, and I'm interested to hear what you say, and maybe you already advise your clients. What they said was, if somebody asked you, what was your, you know, your greatest weakness, um, that you might say something like, well, my greatest weakness was my fear of public speaking, but I have, you know, addressed that over the years and now I'm comfortable. 
you know, rather than putting it. And I thought that was interesting because I have mentioned before to, you know, you can name something you're not that great at that you're working on or that's not critical, you know, to the job. But I thought right. it was really interesting to say my greatest weakness was, and this is what I did. So what's your take on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you. What I recommend, the verbiage I even recommend is earlier in my career, I had an issue with, and I took these steps and, you know, I still get a little nervous when I do a presentation, but I use that nervousness to my advantage, you know, and, and actually I've gotten a lot of great feedback on my presentations. So I agree. And one thing I want to say about the weakness question, often when clients come to me and we're taking that question, I like to hear how they answer it before I give them any coaching on it. Mm -hmm. Often it's like, I'm a workaholic. I'm oh, a yeah. You don't want to do that because it sounds really insincere. It, it sounds like you're trying to turn that into a strength and that's going to bomb for you. So you, you want, we're not trying, they're not trying to hire perfect people. We're part of emotional intelligence is knowing where your weaknesses are and working on them. So if you throw out perfectionist or workaholic, it's not going to sound very emotionally intelligent, to be honest. Yeah, because it really is kind of phony, right? I mean, that's that's what that's what we would get. Those are those are the kinds of things that I was advised to do like 20 years ago, you know, early in my career. Well, just you know, say say I'm a workaholic perfectionist, something that people are gonna go, oh, well, that's a good thing. And it's it's just so, you know, those those pat answers are are just they just don't work. I mean, people want to hire people, not people who have memorized lines, which which yeah. kind of go ahead. No, go ahead. So that kind of brings me to, the, to my next question. And, you know, um, I know that from, from us speaking that you're not a, a big fan of people sort of rehearsing, you know, their, their answers. Um, you know, I, I like to think of that process as someone explained it to me, like an athlete who is actually, you know, uh, a, LeBron James, who's at practice and and doing those three point shots over and over again. So when it's in the middle of a game and every, the heat is up and the game maybe is on the line, that they're able to just do it. It's kind of muscle memory. So I think of that as being, you know, part of that whole preparation. Um, but again, you know, not advocating the you know line by line. But how do you, you know, advise your clients to to prepare? You know, yeah, yeah, that's that's a great question, and I don't, um, I do advocate practicing, and I also highly recommend people considering hiring a professional and doing a mock interview so that you really get practice that's more real. Mm -hmm. But, but. What a, what a, the thing I want to clarify what I don't like. I don't like it when people write out their entire answer, like to tell me about yourself mm -hmm. and then start reading it during the yeah. interview. Oh. And that, that, that's a crutch that isn't going to work for you because even though you're, you know, even though you can, you think you're getting away with it in a video interview, believe me, you're not because you're, you're looking at it and you're breaking that eye contact that's really critical in a video interview since you're not in person. So, you know, that by all means, practice, tell me about yourself, 
at home or, or with an interview coach, but, but avoid memorizing it and writing it all down and then being tempted to read the entire answer. Um, because what happens is you're going to get questions that you're never going to be fully prepared to handle every single question in an interview. There's always going to be a curveball. There's right. always going to be a curveball. And if you got used to that cheat sheet, you may really have a problem with that. So that's why this STAR method is so great because it gives you a structure of how to answer so many questions. And when you and when you know all your success stories, chances are you can grab onto one of those for almost any question. So definitely prepare. You know, you're you're gonna get tell me about yourself or take me through your resume. Guaranteed. You're gonna get why do you want to make a change? You're gonna get why do you want to work for us? What's your salary expectation? Totally prepare for those. But then you're going to get a curveball, like, tell me about, um, tell, you know, tell me, I, I mentioned this one on Clubhouse recently, and I've heard it from more than one person. If after three months we hire you and, and it's not working out, why is that going to be? So, you know, those curveballs can come and you, you want to kind of be able to think on your feet. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's just part of it. So I, I'd like to, to touch on a couple of the questions um, that you mentioned. And one is the, you know, tell me about yourself. And, you know, as a recruiter, I'm sure you've heard it. I've, I've heard stories like this. I've heard them from clients I've worked with. You know, people start, you know, tell me about yourself. And they're like, well, you know, I was in college and I really fell in love with English back then. And I wanted to be a writer. And then I became one and I did this. And it's just like, you know, the, the interview where the eyes are glazing over. And, you know, you have to, um, you know, you have to have kind of maybe a plan to to tell that. So so what what would be your advice in, on putting together a, a response to that question, which it's true. Uh, almost, yeah. Not everyone, almost everyone asked that. First, I want to clarify by saying just like there are so many different ways to write a resume and resume formats, there are equally many different ways to do tell me about yourself. And there mm -hmm. are many good ways to do it. But some of the some of my philosophy about it is I highly recommend starting um, when you when you begin to talk about your work, you want to start where you are now and move back. A lot okay. of people who have 10, 20 years of experience start off with talking about college. We're not <laughs> we're not interviewing you today to hear about your experience 20 years ago. Chances are the job you're in now and a couple before are the ones that are making you highly qualified for this. So make it easy. So so real easy. Start off with a thank you. Don't just don't just go into your tell me about yourself. Thank you so much for the interview today. Say a little something about the company, not a full on answer why you want to work there. But, you know, I'm just really excited to be talking to Google today. Um, blah, blah, blah. You know, just a little something. And then most recently, you know, you can give a high level overview of your career, but keep it short and never say, as you see on my resume. And so many people say that. And what you're saying, what you're the subtext of that is 
I don't really feel like I need to talk about myself. There it is in front of you. Look at it. And, you know, obviously you don't want to put that forth. No, but, no. <laughs> absolutely, so, absolutely not. Absolutely yeah. not. You know, um, so uh, another um, question, and, you know, I have heard this from clients that I work with and, yeah. you know, the why do you want to leave? And I have actually remember, will never forget working with, with a client doing some, you know, strategy, interview strategy prep. And she started telling me with a, you know, for why she wants to leave. Well, you know, I've been there for a long time. And when I was hired, they promised me they were going to give me professional development, but it never came through. And, and I was like, no, you cannot say that. And, you know, it doesn't matter. Your boss could be the devil, the devil. You can't say that during a job interview. I mean, you can't say that. So, so what, um, what's your advice on how to, uh, how to approach that? Yeah. And here's the deal about interviews. There's a way in which you need to learn how to play the game. Um, an interview isn't a place to always, you know, be completely transparent about what's going on in your job. So what I, what I recommend to my clients is when you're asked why you want to leave your job, don't answer that question immediately. Start off by being very positive. So let's say you're working at Facebook. And they're saying, why do you want to leave Facebook? I mean, everyone wants to work there. You can say Facebook. First of all, Facebook's been a fantastic opportunity. I've been there seven years. I've had three different positions. I've learned X, Y, and Z. And honestly, I wasn't really looking right now. But when your recruiter reached out to me and I saw the scope of this role and how well it connected to my background, I started to get very excited about that. And that's, you know, it really, you know, fits my skills really well. And that's your answer. Um, now, if you applied on your own, you, you can pivot by saying something like, you know, hey, this was a great company, XYZ. However, when I think about the next step in my career, I really want to focus on this, this, and this. And that's why this opportunity is so exciting to me. And that's your answer. Don't don't that. say, you know, you, sometimes people want to say, well, I didn't, I wasn't challenged enough here. And that's not a good thing to say because in their mind, they're thinking, why didn't you create those challenges there? So that's a sand trap. And of course, saying you didn't get along with your manager, that's another sand trap. So just, you don't have to reveal everything. Yeah, yeah. You want to be strategic. And, you know, and, and avoid the, avoid the negativity. I mean, you know, for one thing, the company may figure, okay, when it's time for, you know, that you're going to leave them, what are you going to say about them? And exactly. if you are, if you are, you know, this kind of whiner complainer, who wants to work with that person? Right. Maybe nobody wants exactly. to have, bring somebody like that onto the, the team that's, you know, that's working really well together. And, you know, I, I want to um, talk about something that you and I actually have discussed before, um, the whole idea of building confidence with kind of like the power poses. And, you know, I remember a few seasons ago on Grey's Anatomy, you know, obviously I watch Grey's, um, and there was, you know, a surgeon, they were getting ready for this risky surgery, and one of them is just standing there in kind of the Superman pose, and another one comes in and and she says, okay, you know, we're going to stand like this for two minutes and it's going to build our confidence. And 
um, I was curious, like, is this a real thing or is this a TV thing? And I Googled it and I found that it was um, Amy Cuddy, you know, uh, well-known, um, highly regarded um, person. Uh, and uh, she actually has a TED Talk. And in part of it, she actually talks about doing these power poses during job, not during job interviews, of course. Okay, not that. But beforehand to, you know, build your confidence. And you shared with me that that you actually um, kind of, you know, advocate for that as well. So tell me a little bit about how you coach your clients. And, and you had a few other um, different ideas as well. Yeah. And, you know, um <clears throat> I want to just kind of say that um, particularly a client, some of my clients, their biggest issue is nervousness and anxiety. And, you know, we all have those butterflies going into, new, into an interview, and that's normal. But then there are people who have kind of extreme versions of that where it really affects their interview performance. So for people like that, um, power poses can be a great tool. And, you know, you, you want to do those before your interview. And it's really, you know, it's really pretty simple not to go into a whole thing about it. But, you know, find find a pose that's powerful to you. Like for me, my power pose is kind of, you know, arms up here, kind of the hero pose. And you want to say things out loud in a very declarative way about what you are bringing to this interview. So, you know, I am confident about the skills that I'm bringing and how well they match the needs of this position. I am, I am going to be confident in the interview. So you, even if you're not feeling those things, that's the point of the affirmation. You may say, I don't feel that way. Well, that's why you need to do them. <laughs> yeah. But you know, the, the body does influence the mind though, too. Absolutely. And, you know, for other people, and actually almost all my clients, I recommend get your exercise in early in the morning before the interview, because it's going to get, I, and I always did that through the years when I was interviewing, I would always go to the gym very early before the interview and it gets those endorphins going and endorphins make you feel good. You want to feel go, good going into your interview. And if you're not an if you're not a gym person or a jogger, go out for a brisk walk. Anyone can do that. And I also find putting on great music, you know, music that really makes you feel happy. That can be a great thing to do before an interview, also. Yeah. So find something that works for you. Some people are gonna feel funny doing a power pose. And I understand that. So do something else. But, you know, the thing is, too, if you're doing it home and, you know, in, in your home, nobody's going to see you but you. So, you know, you have to think about it that way. And, um, you know, I as we're as we're talking about, you know, confidence and, and people being nervous um, and it, it comes to mind that most often today people are going to be doing several video interviews. Some might just be an automated, you know, a system where you're asked questions and you are just responding and there isn't anybody there. But, yeah. you know, as you move on, you would be interacting with someone. And a lot of people are so nervous about being on video. 
And, you know, they started doing this when I was recruiting, it was over a decade ago, and they were all ready, even for local candidates, because it's so much easier for, for everyone, you know, for the hiring manager, rather than booking the conference room and, you know, all that other stuff. And what what's your advice, you know, <clears throat> beyond, you know, I mean, I like to dance around, it kind of, you know, gets me going too, but what what's your advice for, you know, candidates when, when people when they're getting ready to do these inter uh video interviews you know where they're going to be um i guess talking to a machine and then also if they're talking to a person yeah um i think that similar things you want to do for the video interview that you're going to do for any interview you want to okay. really make sure you're prepared um you know the you know because again that's going to make you feel more confident one of the things you want to do, though, is get your camera set up a couple days before the interview. You know, usually the company's going to send you a link, you know, and it's going to be a particular video software. It might be Zoom. It might not be. So you may want to do a little tutorial on their video software. Maybe something you've never used before. But the last thing you want is to start your interview with technical problems. Yeah. So check out your lighting you know lighting is very important and often i recommend my clients put a lamp behind their laptop that seems to to give you good light if you don't have one of those circular lights mm -hmm. put a lamp behind it that's going to give you some extra light you don't you don't want it to be dark you also don't want a lot of glare from windows you'll notice my shades are pulled down right now because there's a lot of sunshine and um you know, and what you wear can really affect how you feel. So, you know, make sure you're wearing something that you feel terrific in. Whether you're a man or a woman, you want to, and go out and get a new outfit if that's what it takes. You know, but, but just wear something that's comfortable and that you really, really like and that you know you look good in. And that's a color that you look good in. So, and look at your background, you know, you don't, you of course don't want a messy house. You can use a virtual background, but use a simple one. Don't use the one with the waterfall. You know, that, <laughs> that's going to be really distracting. And, you know, um, the they have some great virtual backgrounds that are just kind of like simple offices. Yeah. It's like that work yeah. path. Or, no, it, or a case behind you. Yeah. It you know it's funny that you mentioned that um I I'm on the board of a of a resume writing um organization and we have you know our board meetings are always virtual because we're in all different parts of the country and uh you know there I there's a couple of people on there that are always having like the space behind them you know, the outer space and it, it's it's really distracting when you're you know when you're looking at something like that and you certainly don't want to uh, to do that. I will mention um, somebody I spoke with, a, another interview coach, I think it was a year ago, mentioned that they, they had a client who actually created a virtual background with the company logo on it. I'll, let's say it's Diageo. I mention them a lot because they're, they're local to me, their headquarters. And, you know, they had a virtual background created with like the, the Diageo, the logo of the company and maybe the tagline. And, you know, it worked really well for them. So what's your what's your thoughts on uh, creating something like that? 
Yeah, I think that's wonderful if you if you can do that or hire someone to create that for you. Absolutely. You know, for some reason I have a I have a Mac Air laptop and for some reason you can't do virtual backgrounds on it without a green screen. So, you know, that's I've been a little challenged, but um this this sounds funny, but you can actually go on Amazon and you can buy these gigantic plastic sheets that are virtual backgrounds. And they work pretty well. They have oh. like bookcases. <laughs> okay. And you so- can tape them up on the wall and they look darn good. And they're about 15 bucks. So that's that's kind of like you go to a, a photographer's studio and they have the white. You could just have that virtual background behind you. You you can, yeah. If for some reason your computer like mine doesn't seem to uh, doesn't seem to allow a virtual background, yeah, you can do that. But you definitely, you know, you don't, you know, if, if, if you've got a really messy background, it's just not going to be a great impression. Yeah. And, you know, if, if, if your only alternative is to have a blank wall behind you, that's better than having a messy background. Yeah. Yeah. I actually don't have perfect backgrounds, you know? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I like virtual backgrounds. I use them all the time. I do particularly like them for the LinkedIn live. You know, I obviously I don't have it today. It's something that's not working right for me, but um, I actually stopped using them when I'm working with clients because I had read someone shared an article with me where when people do see the virtual background, when you're working one-on-one with them, that it, it brings down that trust level. So, you know, I, so I decided to move um, from, which is why actually the, the, the pictures that I have behind me now, which I, I adore them. I love them. It just was, I'm, as I see myself on video and I see them behind me, it always makes me smile, but I, I kind of converted those one-on-one um, to not use the virtual background for, you know, for that reason. So, you know, I just thought it was, uh, it was really interesting. You know, that's, that's the, that's the blessing of having like a community of people that you know that they share things with you. So I'm sorry, what were you going to say? Well, and I actually, um, I don't encourage my clients to use virtual backgrounds because there is something a little warmer about a real home background, you know, as long as it's decent. But use the virtual background if you're, you know, if the only only room that's quiet in your house is a bedroom and it's a mess and yeah, use a virtual background. <laughs> so I, I just like to ask you, you know, we're getting sort of, um, you know, towards the end of our time together, but I'd, I'd like to just get some input because um, people often face, you know, they're going to interviews uh, where it's like a panel. I know I've, I've been to those myself. You know, if you're one-on-one, you're focusing on the interviewer. But if you're there and say you have a panel of maybe three or four or five people, how do you sort of work that, you know, audience, if you will, um, if you're there interviewing uh, in, a, in a situation like that? And are you speaking of in person? or Yes, in like- person. If you're if you're you're at that point where you're like one of the top people and you are brought in in person. Yeah, um, that's that's a great question. What I recommend is. Um, the person, well, here's the deal with panel interviews. The person who's asked you the question probably should get most of your eye contact, but then you want to go, dur- during your answer, you still want to bring those others in. You want to go like this, this, 
this, but then back to the person asking the question. But you you don't want to you don't want to just look at that person. You still want to kind of let everyone else and be you know pulling in their eye contact as well. That's my little tip for panels. The other little tip for a panel sometimes when we walk in, it's happened to me. They, you know, you've got five people, they've introduced themselves, and my mind goes blank. And I <laughs> yes. don't remember any name. And I've come up with a little, a little tip that can help if 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 you can do it. Um, I would have a sheet of paper with circles on it, kind of representing, you know, a panel. And just quickly, I would, you know, I, I can pretty I can pretty easily maintain my eye contact and just jot first names down. I put it in each circle on that piece of paper. And then I kind of have that there as a crutch because it, it is kind of easy sometimes, you know, usually I can remember one person's name, but when five people have introduced themselves and I wasn't given the names before, yeah, you know, that, that's a little hack that might help. Yeah, you know, and I I have read that the the sound that we all love the most is the sound of our own name. I don't. I've read that someplace. I've heard oh, it. True. You know, and it, yeah, you know, we do want want people to know who we are. So we have we have covered a lot here. Um, do you have an area of something that you'd like for us to talk about that I haven't asked you and I haven't I haven't brought up? Is there something that you'd like to discuss? share with us i think people often um people often are unsure of how to handle the what is your salary expectation question oh yes good one i think we could really help our viewers by talking about that a little great Um, go for it (laughs) yeah so so i think we often you know just like why did you you know why do you want to leave your job our first impulse might be to say oh my boss and blah, blah 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 (laughs) <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes our impulse with salary expectation is throw a number out immediately. And I don't recommend that. Um, what I recommend is saying something like salary is not my number one consideration right now. I'm looking to work at a great company where I know I can make a strong contribution. Can you tell me what the range is? And then Hopefully they're going to give you the range and don't be afraid to pick up the top number of that range. So if they say the range is probably about 130 to 150, you may want to consider, instead of just saying, oh, okay, that sounds good. If you say, okay, that's good. Your, your offer may end up on the lower part of that range because you've kind of tacitly agreed to that entire range. But another way might be to simply say 150, the top of the range, 150 is a potential starting place if we both agree I'm right for this role. And then, you know, they, you know, at least they're getting an idea of where you see yourself. Now they may say to you, 150 is, we're not starting someone there. I just want to let you know, are you flexible? And you can say, I'm flexible depending on the total compensation package. Yeah. But but then you'll have that recruiter and often it's an agency recruiter says, listen, I need a number from you. I can't move forward. I can't present you to the client unless I know what you're looking for. And I'm not telling you the range. I need a number. Well, 
be prepared to give a number you can live with because that might be the number you get. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And I, I was just um, talking to two recruiters yesterday um, on, on clubhouse actually. And we're talking about sovereign negotiation and um, I, the idea of, I, I haven't heard that before that saying that, well, 150, you know, is, is uh, a good place to start. That's, that's interesting. Um, so, because I, because, you know, and people also sometimes think that recruiters are like, oh, you know, they're just mean, they want to know. So they, they ask you the salary. I mean, they have the salary, they're given the salary. And if, if you are, um, you know, the salary is, you know, 175 to 200, or let's say 150 to 175, and you want two, two and a quarter, you're not, you're probably not getting that. I mean, it's just people, no matter how great you are, if, unless you're, I don't know, a celebrity walking in or something, you're not, you're just not going to get something that's that much over the top of their, you know, of their, uh, of their right. range. So right. let, let's talk a little bit about salary negotiation. Now, um, you know, I have read that I, I read recently, um, Sherm had a survey and it said that 90% of employers to that particular survey said that they would be, you know, um, flexible on negotiating salary. Um, and I've read others and it, most of them, it's the majority of employers are ready to negotiate or recruiters are ready to negotiate, but people hardly ever. I mean, I never did. I left money on the table all the time, stupidly, but, um, so what's your uh, advice on uh, salary negotiation, kind of how, how, to, uh, how to approach that? Yeah, um, so I will tell you that almost 100% of offers are negotiable. And the reason I know that is as a recruiter, typically when we're getting ready to make, typically the recruiter makes the offer, not always. But so before that happens, the recruiter is talking to the hiring manager. And normally what happens is the hiring manager will say to that recruiter, what does that person want? And that's why the recruiter asks you in that first meeting what you want, because we need, we need to know that. So the hiring manager then says, okay, let's give them that, but go up to this number if you have to. So there's usually wiggle room on almost any offer. And if you don't try to negotiate, chances are you're leaving money on the table yeah yeah one of the one of the last last positions i held um you know i i was so excited to get the job i was just just was just moving into nonprofit after i got a master's in psych which is how i ended up in the career field and i was so excited to get the job i was like okay great thank you and i was talking to someone else in a similar position it was a small office um, who said, oh, yeah, they offered me that, too. And I said, no, I want this. And they gave it to them. And I was like, you know, it, it, it taught me a taught me a good lesson. Um, so we are at the end of our time together. And time flies by. I am so grateful. Thank you so much for saying yes. I so, really enjoyed our conversation. So I know that you have a lot of resources that people can, you know, if they're looking for a job, interview help. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, the resources that you have and anything that you're, you're, um, you know, doing on an ongoing basis? Because, you know, we have some people here watching live, but a lot of people will be watching, you know, on a replay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, again, you know, my, my web address is yourinterviewsuccess.com. 
And you can easily find me on Instagram just under my name. And in the bio on Instagram, there's a link you can click to. There's a free ebook I offer with some interview hacks for 2021. You can also set up a free consultation with me and we can really go more in depth on your situation. So I encourage you to do that as well. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always, you know, I'm very open to connect with just about anybody. And um, yeah, I um, I actually don't have any upcoming, um, you know, uh, Clubhouse events coming, but uh, I'm often in Clubhouse in career-related rooms. So you can kind of find me there as well. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I, I would love to have a conversation with you if, if you're at all out there in the job market or you're getting ready for interviews. Um, that's my passion. I love to help people. So it's been great being here today with you again, Nat. Well, that, that's great. You know, so yes, do connect with Frank on LinkedIn. Uh, follow him on Clubhouse, Instagram. And, you know, um, I will tell you, when he moderates with me, I learn something new every time. So thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day and a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thanks again for joining me for this episode of the Smarter Career Moves podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. And don't forget to join us in the Smarter Career Moves Club on Clubhouse as well.